Hi, everybody. Welcome back to The Undiscovered You, a podcast for people who feel like they have so much more to offer, but are somehow stuck where they are. I'm your host, Kimberly Johnston, and this season, we're speaking to the dream catchers. These are people who had a dream and went after it. I'm extremely excited to have Lillian Klein with me today. Lillian is a stage and screen actress. She's a phenomenal singer, and she's also an acting coach. She's the mom of three boys, and that includes a set of twins. <laughs> Lily, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Kim. It's really nice to be here. I am so glad to have you on the show today because I know a lot of our guests um, that we've had on and a lot of people who have listened have at some point in their life been involved in either stage or screen acting, have wanted to pursue singing, have wanted to do something around music in their life. And so many people chose not to, but you're one of the people that did. And so I'd just love to hear a bit about your story, kind of where you grew up, where you went to school and how you got into acting and singing full time. So uh, I always loved telling stories and having stories told to me. Um, I grew up uh, going to the theater with uh, my family. My dad was super into musical theater and or is super into musical theater. And my mom uh, is super into classical theater um, and always had a a subscription um, to various um, theaters, the Roundabout, the Pearl, um, and children's theaters as well. But she really introduced us at a very early age, especially to the likes of um, Moliere and classical theater, like Greek and and Roman tragedies and comedies and all of that. There's a really funny story. I guess that we went to Silavar that was playing probably at BAM. I have no idea because I was like, I mean, I was, I was older than three, but not much. And the actor came up to me and like pointed at me and I was like, ah! <laughs> so, uh, so I got into it. I think that that was what, um, what gave me the bug, the bug. And then I remember also going to see like Oedipus when I was super young. Like I was probably like six when I went to see Oedipus for the first time at the Pearl theater. Somehow this was in the days before like rules. And so <laughs> I was there with um, my best friend, Amanda, and um, somehow they didn't have seats for us because I guess that they weren't expecting such young children to be there. Um, and so they let us sit up in the lighting booth. <gasps> It was amazing. And it was like, and also the play was wonderful. And there was like, you know, the blood and the eyes when like he, you know, uh, pulled his eyes out or stabbed his eyes out. It was like really gory and really fun. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, so that's how it started. And then um, I just did like only school plays. I didn't do any, um, any professional or community theater um, growing up. Um, but I didn't know for sure that I wanted to be an actress. I actually thought I wanted to be a primatologist specializing in Western lowland gorillas, obviously. Wow. wow. Um, That's really specific. <laughs> well, I had seen gorillas in the mist okay. and I was like, this is amazing. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I want to do that. And so I had spent like a summer working at the Bronx Zoo. And I think we switched halfway to the uh, Central Park Zoo and then the Bronx Zoo. And I like did this whole presentation. Anyway, the summer after that summer, back in school, I was a member of like a lot of the different uh, clubs, always in the theater club. And I was an officer of the environmental club. And it was my sophomore year. And they were doing the show a chorus line, which is as the musical, which is all about, I mean, it's about dancers, but it's about life, the actor's life, the dancers, like the artist's life in performing on stage and um, the process of auditioning and getting the job or not getting the job. And, and uh, it's a really beautiful uh, musical that um, is still anyway it, it's it's really wonderful I was in it uh I was cast in the ensemble uh mostly because I was um always I'm a, I'm a plus size actress and so I've always been quite large um and my uh theater director teacher was 
used to be an agent before she was uh, like in the old school of agents mm. when everybody had to look like Barbie or Ken. And mm-hmm. that was the only way that you could get a job. And so she was like, no, 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 no. You have to lose weight. Bah, 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 bah. Um, and I was a little bit, even then I'm still a very much of um, a body positivity activist and uh, healthy, like, but you can be healthy at many different sizes. Hmm. Um, and I truly believe it now in a way that, um, I didn't believe it then, but that I knew, I knew deep inside that it had to be true anyway. So she really didn't want me on stage in a leotard. Hmm. And so she cast me in the smallest (laughs) possible, you know, just the beginning. And then I was late to like all of, I mean, I'm, I'm, notoriously late to everything anyway. And what I did find out is that that is the mark of an optimistic person because they really think (laughs) that they can do um, a lot more than we actually can do in a given time. A hundred percent. It's called a chronoptimist. And it's all about how when you think you can get more done, there's going to be no traffic and you actually don't even think about the time it takes to get somewhere. So you leave when you're supposed to be there. Exactly. Exactly. So, uh, so anyway, but because I wasn't, uh, in an officer of the environmental club, um, if we were doing something there, I would often be late to my rehearsals. And finally my director was, she kicked me out of the show and she's like, you just can't do it. So it was the first time that I had not been in a show and that gave me a chance to miss it. And especially going to see it, that it was all about the life of theater. I was changed. And, uh, I knew from that moment on, I went to see every performance. My sister was in the show actually. And I, I, they only had, you know, it's high school show. So there's four performances, but I went to all four of them, cried my eyes out through all of them and never looked back. Um, the only thing I ever gave up actually for, for theater was horseback riding. So (laughs) I didn't have time. I had to like choose one or the other. Yeah. So, uh, I do miss the horseback riding, but, um, I feel like the life in theater has been, it was a really amazing choice for me. And the older that I get, the more I realize what an important and healthy life it was for me to choose for so many reasons. It gave me an outlet to be creative, stay creative, um, be weird, um, fail, and then learn from failure and know that you can get up again. Um, it keeps me active in ways that, um, like for somebody who doesn't want to go always to the gym. Um, but I, I've always been a very physical actor, um, and I enjoy being a physical actor. And so in order to stay physical on stage, I have to keep my body in good shape. And so being creative is more important to me than sleeping, (laughs) you know, and like not going (laughs) to the gym, you know, so I, I, I will do my exercises in order to be able to like do I do the show Mm. so Mm, interesting and I think something there about not giving up is really important because a lot of times you know in in high school there's a lot that shapes you in high school whether we we like it or not and you know the judgment that you had put upon you by this director um and then getting kicked out of the show because you were prioritizing something else I mean rightly so if you're showing late to rehearsals you probably should get kicked out of the show but that kind of thing <laughs> that's the type of thing that actually does shape you and a yeah. lot of times people will take that experience and be like oh fine if you're going to stick me in the back you know and not recognize my talent I'm not going to do this and you punish that person by punishing yourself by not pursuing your dream. And so what I think is really interesting about this is how that had a completely different effect on you. And actually what it did is it made you realize I really want this. And, you know, I was, again, I was cast as the lead in, in most plays in high school and I cannot begin to imagine sitting in the audience. It would have killed me. Like it would have killed me. I had scarlet fever before I was, I was supposed to play Dulcinea in, in a show and had scarlet fever and was so sick and they weren't sure I was going to be able to do it. And I just pulled my bootstraps up and managed to get on stage. I was half dead, did the performance, but then dang, I was not going to miss that show. And it was like, I cannot begin to imagine and the impact that that had on you. And actually that just changed the course of your life, which is incredible. It really did. And ultimately, you know, as, as much as this teacher was very, um, was very hard on me 
Um, she also really loved me a lot and I know that she did. And so the impact that she had on me, I think was far more, um, constructive than destructive, Mm. um, for so many reasons. She taught me, um, a discipline that, I mean, instilled in me that discipline from the get-go with theater, um, the passion, because she had so much passion and commitment to the shows, to her students. The shows were always really great, um, but she was really hard on us. And, and it was because she cared. Um, and seeing somebody, see, having that example of somebody who cares that much about it and that it's not something, you know, a lot of people, especially, um, you know, when you say I'm an actor, like, oh, what's your real job? Or, oh, that's fun or whatever. It is fun. It's also a lot of hard work Mm. to do it, Mm. you know, Um, because for so many reasons, you know, you're putting yourself uh, out. I mean, when you're an actor or an actress, and, and I'm, I don't get, uh, some people are very picky about like, there's only actors, there's no actress, like, but I'm like, whatever you want to call yourself is fine. Uh, you're an artist. Uh, when you choose to do that, what you're choosing to do is live, uh, is share a very private part of yourself and vulnerable part of yourself publicly if you're doing it well. And that's what we all strive to do as artists. And the reason why we strive to do that as artists is not for ourselves. It's um, because if you, it's, it's almost, if you can do that for yourself, you give somebody else to do that for themselves to see um, that they're not alone or to see their potential of what they they could do if they were in this situation because we're holding the mirror up to nature. And so whether that means that they want to be an actress or whether it means that they're going through something similar in their life or whether it means that whatever it is that, that they're seeing, if they're seeing um, something authentic being played out on stage or, or on screen or what it, wherever, that's how people connect. And it, and it, it gives people catharsis and, and a sense of belonging, a sense of community, I think um, in a way that, is uniquely human. Totally. And I think it opens up that connection. I think we've all seen that through acting. Either you go and see some, I remember Matthew Fox came and did a show here. And I think, I think it was a two or three man show. So he spent the entire time on stage and he was exhausted by the end of it because he gave so much. And I mean, having seen him on, you know, on screen and that kind of thing, you know, I mean, he's, he's a fine actor. There's nothing, there's nothing to take away from that, but seeing him on stage, I actually waited backstage for him to come out to just tell him, thank you for the amount that you just gave on stage, because it made such an amazing experience for us. And it was incredible. And you see that in, in movies, in plays. And I just want to translate this to the, to the workforce, because we talk about authentic leadership a lot. And when I'm coaching people, I coach people to be authentic leaders. And the reason people a lot of times are not authentic leaders is because they don't want to open up that piece of themselves. They don't want that vulnerability to come out. And what you do as as an actor, as an actress on stage, you're opening up that vulnerability to everyone and it could fall flat and people could not accept it. And you could be completely rejected by your audience in the same way that a leader, when they open themselves up to vulnerability, they could be rejected for that as well. And I think it's it's such an important lesson that to create that connectivity, you have to be vulnerable and you have to open yourself up. You can be a shut down actor, actress, where you don't let anybody in. You get up there, you play the role, you do the parts. It's fine, but you're never going to get that magic. And it's that magic that comes out when people give themselves to the audience and the same thing with leadership. It's magic when you give yourself to the people that you're working with. You always get back what you give. Mm. You get, well, I mean, I think you get back more than you give, but like if, so if you're giving a lot, it's, it will always come back to you tenfold. And if you're giving a little, a little, that'll come back not tenfold (laughs) (laughs) negative tenfold (laughs) so you're you're finishing up high school you've really kind of got the bug now and this happens with a lot of people they really enjoy theater when they're in high school 
And they say, this is what I'm going to do. This is my forever job. I'm going to go out and do this. And then the reality sinks in. Either they're cast in a show that runs and runs and they hate it, or they go to 236 auditions and get cast as, you know, a foot in the background of a B grade movie. And they're like, (laughs) maybe I'll go to law school. (laughs) So Tell me a little bit about your journey from having this be a hobby to something that becomes your profession. Cool. So uh, basically that moment that I was like, okay, well, this is what I'm going to do and I'm never looking back. Um, I started spending all of my summers uh, digging in and uh, luckily I had very supportive parents who um, uh I think saved my life. Like theater has saved my life time and time again, literally and figuratively, because the minute that, um, that somebody loves something like I love theater because my parents supported that it allowed me to, um, explore it in a healthy way and learn it in a healthy way. And a a lot of parents will say that they want their kids to be happy and do whatever they want to do. But then like, if, except not, the arts because they're worried about, um, you know, fi- financial economy and, uh, you know, that there's no job stability and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, if we haven't learned anything by 2022 <laughs> about like the job stability and what could happen, like you never, you have, we have no, nobody has any control. So you might as well do what you love because when you're doing what you love, putting out your passion in the world, first of all, it doesn't feel like work. I mean, you know that you're working hard, but it's work that, that, it is worthwhile, like a, a good marriage, you know, the summer before college, I went to the Yale summer program, which was incredible. I was also, I mean, really, really blessed. I applied to one school and it was BU, but I got in and, and, uh, the, the training was really wonderful. It's, it was a really diverse training program in terms of it, all the teachers came from different, um, technique, uh, background techniques. Um, and so what was great is that we could like pick and choose what resonated with us and what sort of we wanted to, was not resonating right now, but at least we were exposed to it. And, but it was also a, a time of transition in the school where they used to have a cut system, um, where they would accept 40 students and then acting students and then cut half of the class. Um, or more. Yeah. So, and they did have like early decision, I guess that they had made the cut and I was really lucky. I was one of those, those kids, but I mean, I will tell you that there's no, like, it's not because I was the best actor in the program. I don't think I've ever been the best actor in any program. I think I work hard. And Mm. I think that that's why is that they knew that I was really serious about my studies. I was really dedicated to the program. I was really, um, respectful of the craft and, and, I really credit it to this director. Um, Judy Braha directed me in A Lie of the Mind and I played Lorraine and just learned so much from that show. College is is just another one of those times in your life that that you're kind of learning more about who you are and how you fit into the world. And and once again, my for me, because of my history as like a plus size woman and a plus size actress in a world where like, you know, I was I think I was the biggest person in the program there at that time, like in my class, there were, um, there was usually like a fat girl in every class. So I was the fat girl in my class. Um, Elaine Van Hoke said to me, it's good that you don't look like everybody else. And she was the first person who gave me like in profession, in the profession Mm. who gave me that permission. And I think that she was also the person whose assignment that she gave me over our like school break. She said to me, I want you to watch more sunrises and sunsets. And I think that it was about just being really, because I was always like striving, 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 do, 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 go, go, go. And you can't be an actor. You can't be anything as much as like being a dream catcher for, let's bring it back to the podcast. Yes, please. (laughs) Always. So as much as being a dream catcher is about going after your goals and going after your dreams in order to do that, you have to be really present in your here and now and appreciate the here and now and find the beauty and the significance and the good in the here and now so that you can take that with you into whatever you want to do with that. I absolutely love that. 
And I think it's, it's one of those things that is, it should resonate with everybody because any A-type personality, you are running a road, you are climbing a ladder, you're looking for the next thing, you're constantly, what's, what's happening, what's next. And, you know, we are future driven, we are pulled to the past, we're constantly forward or backwards looking and actually sit down spend more time watching sunsets and sunrises. I love that. Just be present. Think about this moment. And, you know, there's a huge movement about mindfulness and focusing your attention on your breathing and being present in this moment, but every, every now and then just stop and just be where you are right in that second. And cause it's never going to be back. And that's the other thing is that the present is gone. The moment you even say the present it's already gone. And so, you know, time is always moving forward. So if you can just take that moment just to be in that moment that's incredible. And powerful. I think, yeah, really powerful. And I, and I think it also goes back to what you were saying about that authenticity and about, you know, if you are constantly striving forward, are you leaving everybody else behind, you know, and where, how, how are your perspective? Have you got blinders on where you're so focused on you and where you're going that actually right. you haven't opened those up at all to take in what's around you. And sometimes those are small people in your life. Sometimes they're friends and family. Sometimes it's colleagues. Sometimes it's other, you know, competitors. Sometimes it's people that are mentors you need to learn from. And it's like, what are you actually not even seeing because you're so focused on moving forward? Right. Right. You know, I will say that one of the things that I feel really lucky, I, I, I feel like I keep bringing up, uh, lucky and blessings and whatever, but it's, but it's true. There's a lot of gratitude that goes into getting what you want. Um, and if you can have gratitude for the things that you already have, it opens yourself, your, it opens up opportunities for more possibilities of gratitude to enter your life. Mm. Um, and I think that that is true for not just the arts. I think it's true for everything. I will say that one of the things that I'm very grateful for are, uh, the people in my life. I just, um, uh, celebrated, my 42nd birthday on Tuesday and 42 is like such a freaking good year. Mm. I don't remember. It was like really low key thrown together. I had no plans other than like, I knew I wanted Georgetown cupcakes. That was all that I knew. And, um, and then I was like, okay, well, I just bought 24 cupcakes, so I should probably invite some people, over to share <laughs> but it's a Tuesday mm-hmm. and I'm like, who's going to come over on a Tuesday? I invited, I had the most eclectic, wonderful group of friends over randomly on a Tuesday. They all have, I mean, a lot of them have kids who are young, who are, you know, because we, we met at different times in our life, but the kids are, are close in age. And so they have bedtimes and whatever. And so and they have work. So they came at five 30 and left at, you know, seven 30, eight o'clock, but it was like, they were there. And, and I have this thing in my life where I, and, and that they were all from different parts. I collect people and, um, and I cherish them. And so I heard in one of your other podcasts that you did recently, um, talking about the network of people Mm. and like reaching out to your network, um, and not even, uh, your hidden network you mentioned. And I thought that was so brilliant because it's true. We, we have our community, the web of our community is, um, is wider than we know. And when you start to think about the ways in which you are connected, we are connected to the people around us in our life and, and the ways in which we can make other people's lives better, easier, happier, whatever. Once again, that's something that comes back to you tenfold and it, it creates lasting relationships. It creates lasting friendships. It, you know, and, and even giving people the opportunity to be there for you when you're not having a good day, because we think, or I think all the time, like if I'm having, you know, a poo day, I don't want to put that on somebody else and and have that be somebody else's problem. Cause like everybody has bigger problems than I have, you know, and that's, that's sometimes true. And that's sometimes not true, but I always think like, you know, I don't 
I'm not in a war zone right now, like what's happening in Ukraine. And I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm living in um, Massachusetts where, where LGBTQ rights are safe and not being challenged here. You know, other people have much bigger problems in other, in other places where their safety is, is concerned. So I'm like, I don't want to put that on somebody else. But honestly, since my friends all know that they can come to me when they're having a bad day and that I'm going to be there for them and I want to be there for them, they want to know that they, that I trust them to come to them if I'm going through something. And it make, it's like, it's just as important to be able to be there for somebody and to, to be vulnerable back mm-hmm. to the vulnerability. That's it. That's it. If you can be vulnerable with, so anyway, so yeah. Yep. It's a gift. Uh, it's like a I gift. Didn't answer your question. No, but it's a, it is. It's a it's a gift to allow people to be able to to serve you as well because it gives them the opportunity to do that. And as you say, when you pay forward, when you when you give, you get back. And and it's not even that you get back. That's why you give. The giving is what you're getting back. You get so much from yes. giving. It's not exactly. about anything more than that. And actually you're giving someone else the opportunity to do the giving. And I had, I had a girlfriend, I was having the most horrendous day and she showed up with a cup of coffee and she'd gone out to a store and she'd bought a cup of coffee and she came and I had no time. And I just <laughs> took the time and I just said, you know what? Forget it. I'm just, I'm just going to sit down with you and we're going to have a cup of coffee. And we spent 20 minutes having a cup of coffee in front of my office And it was, I mean, it's a memory. It's a 20 minute memory that will last forever because I was having such a horrendous day and her just showing up with a cup of coffee was everything. And she, there was no expectation. I had just, I'd sent her a message and been like, I'm having, she sent me a message and asked me a question. I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to have to tell you later. I'm having the worst day. And then she showed up at my door with coffee. Like nothing against our, our male friends who I love. It's very powerful the way that, um, the way that women can really lift each other up. And that's actually something that's become more and more important to me in my art and my coaching and my, like all, all of it, um, is just being a role model. Um, and also, especially like raising three boys, Yeah, like I'm raising three boys to be feminists. They're going to have to be allies. It's like, it's having respect for yourself and in order to surround yourself with, um, people who respect you and love you because you respect yourself and love yourself, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that network, I also, I mean, going back to that network point about how we have the network and our network are our friends and other people, it's also your mentor. So going back to even your choral coach who guided you into being you, even your theater coach who actually helped you to, to hone your craft and recognize that you, it's a discipline. This isn't fun flittering around on the stage. It's actually a discipline. That's something you learned quite young. And I love the fact that it wasn't like, Oh, I really like acting. I'm just going to go do this. You went and honed your craft. You went to training in high school. Every summer you went and did it. Oh, I'm still training. Absolutely. And still learning. And that's, I think that's so important for any profession. It's not, you know, I, it's been really interesting talking to everybody I've, I've interviewed so far in Dreamcatchers. Every single one of them is like, well, yes, I've achieved this, but I haven't caught my dream. Like I still am, mm-hmm. I'm still honing my craft. I'm still learning. I'm still moving forward. I'm doing something new. I have a new dream. You know, I've caught yes. one thing, but I've got a new dream now. I've got something yeah. else I'm going for. I think it's so interesting that it's not... It's something you work for, even if you have been given a God-given talent of being a phenomenal actress with a beautiful voice, you still have to train it and you still have to hone your craft and you still have to learn it. And there's a lot of people who they go out, they try to make it, they don't. And so they give up. And it's like in anything, nobody's an overnight success. No one is. Anybody that's an overnight success has been training for years and years and years. And then they get their break. 10,000 hours minimum. 10,000 hours minimum, but it's, it's work that you want to do. Yes. And I loved that. Also, you talked about that. And then when you love your job, you don't work a day in your life. And that's, I love that quote because it is, it's so true. You're doing things that you love and it doesn't, it doesn't feel like work at all. And, and, and I think what's really interesting is when you look at professions like acting, singing, you know, working in the arts, they don't pay well you're getting paid because you're doing something that may bring you some joy, but actually it's not necessarily that thing. That's the completely fulfilling thing. And I always find that interesting. 
Yeah, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that because I think that that's part of the reason why why many people don't value the arts as mm. real work is because financially value it and pay it as well as they do a lawyer or uh, an accountant or an engineer or a, another real quote real job. I, I'm hoping that uh, that there's a sea change there because I think that uh, at least a very biased opinion. Um, but like during the pandemic, how did anybody stay sane? It was from being able to catch up on shows to, you know, connect over zoom with other people. You know, it's like, it's a very, you need people and you mm. need stories to mm. survive. Yeah. Stories are so intrinsically connected to being human and to our survival. But as you said, I mean, as far as like the dreams changing, it's a hundred percent true. So as soon as I graduated from college, like the only thing I ever wanted was to be a working actor. And then I graduated college and I'm like, oh, okay. I'm, I'm a working actor. Like this is great. And it was great. I love being working. I did tours. I did like a lot of children's theater tours, got to see like so much of the country. I had the best time. Uh, but then at some point I was like, okay, but I want more than just children's theater. I want like what's next? Not that children's theater is bad. It's great. But like, I knew that, you know, I wanted my equity card. I wanted to be a bigger fish. I'm like, well, I want to be on Broadway. I want to do all this. You know, I haven't been on Broadway yet. I've worked in, uh, like on, on the Lincoln, Lincoln center stage because on one of the tours that I went on, um, and worked at New York city opera doing like a show, you know, like random stuff that you get to do. That's like really cool and really fun. I've had lots of Broadway callbacks and all of that, but it's funny because once again, that dream, if I get to do Broadway, that'll be great. And, and I would enjoy doing it, but it's, it's about more than like that name now to me. And especially now with what I've learned over the pandemic, the way that the, the system of theater was, has, has been for a long time, uh, the, that it's, that it's been very rigged, very, um, oppressive, very, you know, the patriarchy and, and, um, racist and all of that. But there's, there's a lot of changes happening foundationally in like what is accepted, how we learn from the past restructured during that like reset period of the pandemic and how we move forward and do so in a more equitable, inclusive way. And so that's become really much more important to me than if I ever get on Broadway. If like the thing about that would be great about getting on Broadway is the paycheck and being able to reach a bigger audience. Yeah. But ultimately what I care more about right now is the material and the message. Like what am I reaching that audience with? Mm. You know? And so being able to, to have autonomy over my own creative pursuits and like the stories that I want to tell and the people that I want to work with and the people who I'll be like the ways in which our networks grow, because like you keep meeting more people as you go and, and your the world gets smaller as you, as your uh, network gets wider. Right. Yeah. Um, so that's been much more central to me right now and excites me like new work is the thing that really excites me more than anything else right now. And so that's been really cool because I feel like there's um, so much room for like dreams to, to keep growing in, in mm -hmm. that, um, in that lens, as opposed to just being like, well, if I make it to Broadway, then I've made it. And like, yes. And mm -hmm. nothing wrong with Broadway. It's really, really great, but it's not like the only way to, achieve success or be a successor, you know, for me, one of the big things that, you know, that a lot of people were like, you can't do that is that I wanted a career and a family and a successful marriage. That is something that is really hard for a lot of folks to achieve. Like you can choose to be a very successful actress or you can choose to have a very successful marriage and be a great mom, but you can't do both. And I'm like, oh yeah, watch me. But that's also, I mean, I guess that since high school, that's my response. And that's like, you know, just who I am. If somebody tells me, no, you can't, I'm like, oh yeah, watch me. 
Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that's, I was going to actually ask you about that. So one of the things that you talked about um, being an actor has taught you is to be able to deal with failure and learn from failure and pick yourself up from that. Um, a big part of acting, as we know, and a big part of being in the arts is rejection. And yeah. it's, it's, uh, you know, putting yourself out there again, as we said, you're opening yourself up, you're being incredibly vulnerable, you're giving everything. So you walk into an audition and you nail it. You do the best you you can be, and then you don't get cast. And how do you how do you react to that? What is what are some things you can? So this is this is for all of our listeners who are going for the dream job, who are going for the interviews, who are showing up. And I mean, you're dealing with this on a regular basis because that's yeah. part of the job. So tell tell us tell us a little bit about how we can deal with that in a bit of a healthier manner. Um, I'm so glad you asked that because um, I was thinking about that before when you were talking about uh, the 263 auditions. It reminded me of the 100 rule, which is that you're not allowed to start reconsidering until you've gone on 100 auditions. And have if, if after 100 auditions, you have not received a single callback, hmm. then you can reassess and okay. maybe like think about something else. It is impossible damn near impossible. <laughs> if you're actually going for it, you know, yeah. because you're going to meet people at every one of those auditions. You're going to see people over and over again, develop relationships, be working on your craft in, in the midst of all of that, because you have to prepare for those auditions. The likelihood that it will, that you will be able to get to that magic 100 and not have received a single positive feedback from 100 auditions is very unlikely, mm. you know? So you just have to keep going for it and, and glean, uh, everything, the gratitude from each one of those experiences of like, and, and the, um, be able to be self-critical in the best way so that criticism is not a negative thing. It so often has a negative connotation, but actually if you can, um, be self-critical with your work in a positive way, it gives you an autonomy of like knowing that you did your best and knowing that you left no stone unturned. And that is the most satisfying feeling because then you did it for you. You didn't do it for them. Mm. Mm. You I know? Love that. Yeah. And I think that's so true in the corporate world as well Is keep applying for things, keep throwing things against the wall. Something will eventually stick. Um, and I think we just had Danny Fontanesi on. She was my, my final guest in my last season. And she talked about, I loved her perspective in terms of um, application. She said, you know, every rejection was one rejection closer to the acceptance. And Correct. yeah. And so it's just, it's getting you closer and closer to what you want. And, and I think, I think it's really hard. I think rejection is, can be really hard, especially when it's really personal and um, with acting, with singing, with dancing, with art, it is very personal because you're giving yourself out there in a way that even in, even in a job interview, when you're answering questions, you're sort of talking about what you did but you're giving yeah. actually a piece of yourself to that person when you're doing these auditions. People, when they are pursuing that dream, get knocked down by that. And I think it either they pick themselves up and become much stronger or they get knocked down and they say, I'm going to go be a lawyer. Right. <laughs> it's easier. <laughs> Is it? Is it? <laughs> it's not. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you got you graduate, you graduate, you're now an actor, you're out there doing your, a lot of uh, children's works, you're on tour. Um, again, that, that touring that's working on. And I think this is something that's really important is as somebody who's an outside observer, when we think of actors and actresses, we think of people on the screen. Mm -hmm. We think of people on Broadway and the West end. Um, and we don't really think about the fact that of course there are people that are cast on cruise ships. There are people that are oh, yeah. cast. Yeah. There are people that are in Disney. There are people that are anywhere you go where there are characters or plays or anything. Those are people who are professional actors. And even mm -hmm. some of the kids stuff that we do, you know, there'll be people that are professional actors that come into the schools and do things or yeah. at a corporate, if you, if you are a corporate and you have to do mandatory training, they will have the mandatory training will have people on the screen who are telling you all about cybersecurity. Those people are actors. They're not people that work in your office. <laughs> and it's like, it's like there's this whole breadth of acting that people do. And it's, it's not the, you know, the headline making such and such got paid X million dollars for right. this film. 
it's, it is a slog and it is extra work. And it is, you know, you are the third tree from the left in the Shakespeare show that is off, 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 off Broadway, you know, <laughs> next to your kid's school. You know, there's, there's a lot of slog that you have to get through. Well, there's a lot of different ways about, of being an actor, right? It's a yeah. question of like, what kind of actor you want to be. And for some people being an extra or being the third tree from the left is enough. That's it. And that's yeah. okay. Yes, exactly. There's nothing wrong with that. Yes. It's what, what is your dream? Like, is your dream to be the next Angelina Jolie? Okay. That's fine. There already is one. So why don't you be the next you? Mm. But you know, but some people are like, I don't need to be famous. I just want to do this. And that's enough. It's a slog, but it's honestly, I feel like for me being in front of a computer is way more of a slog than yeah than being, being the third tree from the left. From the left. <laughs> yes. Correct. And, I, and I was going to ask what I guess a follow up from that was like, what do you get out of it? And I, and from you, you get the community, you get that ability to be on stage, you get whatever, whatever you can grab from it. And, and what else is it that for you, what are you getting? So honestly, it's funny because I, I do love being on stage. Sure. I love the rehearsals mm. so much. I love the discovery process of like putting puzzle pieces together and making these intellectual discoveries, but also emotional discoveries, especially about making human connections that, that make more sense to me. Now it makes me a better human. Cause I'm like, Oh, that's why that's how this person became an addict. Mm. that's how this person, you know, so it gives you an empathy for somebody who is not yourself. It makes you put yourself in somebody else's shoes mm. and connect with different people than you would normally necessarily get a chance to do. So that's what I love about it. I, I really love that. It's always learning every new show you do. You, you have to learn it mm. and, and on so many levels and that the, the challenge to like, keep learning as you go, because once it's set, and you're like, okay, fine. So now we're locked. How do I keep this fresh? Yeah. So it's those discoveries every time and, and continuing to make the discoveries and find new life every day. It's like, it, I mean, it's, it's, it's miraculous, really. That's why I love doing it. You know, it's creating life, mm. <laughs> you know? And what's really interesting is if you take that and you translate that into a corporate or into a day-to-day -day job is it gets monotonous in the same way that any, any job can get monotonous. If you're on stage right. and you're doing exactly the same show night after night, day after day, you know, if you're doing the same job, again, as you say, you've got to find that discovery. You've got to find the way to unlock something within that, that allows you to grow and allows yeah. you to learn. And that's where the magic can come from. So if you're feeling stuck, because this is obviously a podcast for people who feel stuck, one of the things is, is what can you unlock? What can you discover even in your day-to-day -day job, even in the day-to-day -day work that you're doing that can allow you to do something new or find something new in yeah. that? And I think that's so beautiful. And I love the fact that for you, even those rehearsals, that preparation, it's not about the stage. It's not about the applause. It's about that kind of developing the character. Where did they come from? Who are they? How are they relating part. to the word? I love that. I love that. I hate to say this, but we are actually coming to the end of our time. And I have to ask you our final two questions. So along this journey of, of becoming an actress, of being an actress, of following this dream, we didn't even talk about the fact that you're doing coaching now. We didn't even talk about your singing. We didn't talk about any of that. I mean, there's so much more to unpack, but along this whole journey, what is it that you have discovered about yourself? Um, you know, it's funny because a lot of the time, uh, especially like when I first, uh, said, okay, this is what I'm going to do. A lot of that was about, um, proving it to somebody else. Like, oh yeah, you say, I can't like, I'm going to do this. And so I never really um, uh, considered proving it to myself. And it's funny because um, over the pandemic, a couple of things have happened. Um, I've, I've talked about like theater saving my life. Mm. And it's re most recently it's happened several times. <laughs> so the first time is after I gave birth to the twins in 2018. So two years prior pandemic. I was almost preeclampsic. So I, my blood pressure was very, very high. And my mother was doing everything to try to keep my blood pressure down. 
And what she did in order to keep my blood pressure down <laughs> was that there was an audition for Commonwealth Shakespeare Company for their summer production. And I was like, oh, I'd love to go there. She's like, okay, I'll drive you. And so she took me to an audition in order to take down my blood pressure. <laughs> wow. Love it. And then during the, so she knew at that time that how much I needed it for my health. Mm. During the pandemic, a lot of actors, a lot of people uh, had, for lack of a better word, to come to Jesus with their lives. Mm-hmm. And what am I doing? What matters to me? What are my priorities? Mm-hmm. And there were a lot of actors who, because theater was not happening and, and, and shooting was, was paused for who knew how long she, uh, film shoots film and television shoots. Shoot, yep. Yep. That, you know, a lot of, a lot of people were like, okay, I have to find something else to do. And what I did during the pandemic is like double down into readings, play readings and uh, screenplay readings with just friends, like other actor friends, um, Zoom uh, acting classes, Zoom coaching sessions where I was coaching um, and, uh, and, and scene work. I um, started just a friend of mine was like, hey, do you want to work on something together? And I was like, yes. And so we put together this play um, that uh, we presented with another friend of mine who uh, has his own company that was doing like Zoom presentations and whatever. And so I realized, I think it was just um, maybe like a few months ago, I was like, gosh, like when I had every opportunity to step back, like nobody was holding a gun to my head saying, you have to do this. But it's like, there wasn't even a question of like, well, how am I going to spend my days? And like, now that I can't do theater, what else am I going to do? Like that just never occurred to me. So I was like, so what I learned is that I'm doing it because I have to. I'm doing it because it's what I, me, Lillian Klein, am programmed for. It doesn't mean that you can't be an actress if, if it's not what you're programmed for. You can still do whatever you want to do. But it was just a self-discovery of like all of a sudden proving it to myself when I wasn't trying to. Mm. I was like, oh God, I guess that this is even more important to me and more core to me than I realized um, or ever thought about before, or recognized before. Mm, interesting. I love that. I love the fact that it was, it was something that, you know, if, if it had been a time where all the theaters had shut, there was no filming, there were no auditions and really all you cared about was the fame. You could see how you're like, okay, I can't get my face in front of everybody. I'm going to go start a YouTube channel and try and <laughs> try and get myself famous. But instead you're like, actually, this is a really great time for me to double down, find interesting ways to do it, really hone my craft, learn some things. And I know that you also have been writing as well. So writing your yeah. own play and doing a lot of work around that. And it's just, it's really interesting to see how you had an evolution during that time of lockdown. Very much so. Yeah, that's great. And I have to ask you the final question. What is the best piece of advice you've ever received? Two pieces. I'm sorry. Cause I go never on, go to on, walls. go on. <laughs> Three, I guess. So my first piece of advice that is from me, don't ever listen to rules. My second, <laughs> <laughs> the second thing is that I have a friend, Ashley Fox Linton, who has a great name and also has great advice. She said to me when I was going through um, kind of a rough patch of, you know, what is, I don't know. I usually have, um, I call it the Februarys because it happens like uh, usually between January and March. And like for the two and a half or three months is like my sort of like blue or like depressed season. And it's, I think it has a lot to do with the new year. And so like, oh, new year, new you. And like, how is this? You're going to be different and blah, blah, blah. And if I didn't have a job booked or I didn't know what was coming up next or whatever, I was like, well, what am I doing? And like, that was usually be when my parents who as supportive as they are, would always be like, okay, well, what's your backup? And what are you going to do if this doesn't work out? And so it would make me, you know, really sad and uh, frustrated and feeling very stuck, which isn't that perfect thing to talk about for the podcast. Bring it around. Yeah. So, uh, so Ashley said to me, she said, always follow the love. 
which means if you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. Like just do what you love. And then the other piece of advice came from my friend, John O'Cray, who uh, said to me, you only meet with resistance when you're moving in a direction. Mm. And it just resonated so deeply for me and still does whatever that direction is, because I mean, you don't actually know what forward is ultimately none of us do, you know, we just know that we're moving somewhere and like something is going to happen, but you only meet with resistance if you're moving. Yep. If you're not moving, there's no resistance. So if you're meeting, moving, if you're meeting resistance, it means you're moving. So yeah, yeah. which is what we all, which we all need to do. Exactly. And I, I, I love that kind of idea of, of always follow the love and, and do what you love. And one of my other um, dream catcher uh, guests, so his name's Antonio Negret, he is a director and he talked about how just do, do the craft. Don't worry about the fame and getting the agents and all the rest of it. Just do your Correct. craft, do what you love. And the more you put out there, the more people are going to see it and the, and the happier you will be because you're doing what you love. And Correct. that's, I just, I thought, I think that's, I think it, it really ties nicely in together with always follow the love. Yeah. Yeah. Fabulous. Well, Lillian, it has been a fantastic to have you on here. Thank you for all the pearls of wisdom. Um, I, I wrote down one of them around the fact that it's, it's good that you don't look like everyone else. Uh, the world gets smaller as your network gets larger. Um, I love the idea around the authenticity and the vulnerability and the fact that you use mentors and you've used training and you just really have followed what you loved and it hasn't always been easy. Um, you've met with a lot of resistance, but that's because you were moving and right. also you've just gotten to a place where you found that contentment in you. And it's no longer about other people. It's about finding that joy within yourself. And it comes through so clearly, even just speaking to you and, you know, I wish you all the best in whatever that next dream is and, um, very much hope to come and see you in action at some point. Woohoo! <laughs> Me too. Thank you so much. This was so fun. Thanks a million. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Join us next week when I speak to professional artist Ian Roberts all about being a dream catcher. If you're looking for an executive coach or want to get in touch, check out my website, kljconsulting.co.uk or you can email me on the undiscoveredyoupodcast at gmail.com. And if you'd like to buy me a coffee and you're enjoying these sessions, please do take a minute to check out Buy Me a Coffee forward slash undiscovered you don't forget to follow subscribe like and comment below and i hope that you're one step closer to discovering the undiscovered you mm-hmm.